Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, your go-to source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We hope you tune in often for all things people management, organizational development and change, organizational leadership, and social impact related. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Michael McFall about his business philosophy of creating a culture of love in the workplace. Michael McFall, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Hey, Shazam. Good to be here. I'm so excited to have the chance to talk with you today. Uh, you have a unique perspective on running successful businesses that I, we're going to be exploring together, this philosophy of creating a culture of love in the workplace. Uh, so I'm, I'm really excited to have that discussion with you. Uh, but before we dive on in and get started, I want to share with uh, the listeners a brief bio. Uh, so they can get to know a little bit more about you. Michael McFall graduated from Kalamazoo College in 1993, where he earned four varsity letters as a member of the golf team and bachelor's degree in economics. He also studied six months at Fora Bay College at the University of Sierra Leone, where he wrote The Life Story of Johnny Smith. Mike participated in the West Island College Class Afloat program in 1988 and sailed halfway around the world on a square rig tall ship visiting 13 countries. Mike currently teaches on the subject of finding your venture at the University of Michigan Center of Entrepreneurship and is a hockey enthusiast with a lifelong goal to one day own the Detroit Red Wings. When Mike is not spearheading uh, various business ventures or writing his latest books, he can be found in Ann Arbor, Michigan and with his wife, uh, Elisaveta, and their four children, Lee, Clava, Oscar, Oscar, and Lorenzo. And I hope I got names correct. Uh, as far as through those, or close enough, maybe. Um, I hate it when I mispronounce names because that's so personal to people. Um, so, Michael, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, what an interesting background. It sounds like you're quite the adventurer. Um, and I love your aspirational goal of, of uh, owning the, uh, the Red Wings uh, in the future. And, and that, that's really kind of cool and awesome. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, to me, I was just having this conversation the other day, the Red Wings to me are the heart and soul of my home community, my home, my hometown. Uh, and so I, I couldn't, I couldn't find anything more aspirational than that. That's, that's really cool. And I, I mean, it's great to be a sports enthusiast and, and have a, a dream like that. I think it's even cooler to just be so passionate about, your community and wanting to leverage that as a way to connect people and to strengthen community. I think that's awesome. That's so neat. Well, as we get started, is there anything else you would like to uh, share with the listeners so they can get to know you a little bit better, understand a little bit more about your background? Well, I would say the, on the only thing that, that I think is maybe interesting and, and relevant to this conversation is that, you know, I, I've been building my company for 25 years 
and I still manage it day to day. I'm still co-CEO with my co-founder, uh, and and it's been a long journey. And you know, the work we're in the middle of right now has really come to fruition in the last five to seven years. And pre uh, pre that, uh, it was us just building a business, right, and, and figuring out how to survive and how to build a sustainable enterprise. And so, you know, to me, I, I think that that's it's interesting for people because I'm still in it. I, you know, I was on conference calls all morning uh, managing my business. <laughs> and then I, I cut out and I'm going to come do this with you. And then I go right back and I got a meeting at noon with the group on something else. So, so I'm still very, very active in the business, even though I have taken on a few other things like teaching uh, and writing and, and, and a lot of this work that we're going to talk about today. Excellent. Excellent. And I think it's, it's, it's wonderful when you have individuals like yourself with so much kind of um, boots on the ground kind of experience as entrepreneurs um, driving successful organizations, but then also then leveraging your expertise to help others through the teaching, through the writing, um, through podcasting, through, you know, through all these different avenues. Uh, I think that's, that's great. And that, that's a, a sign of giving back and helping uh, trying to strengthen the profession and uh, strengthen workplaces, not just at your own company, but in other uh, other arenas as well. Uh, as we launch in today, I, I thought really we could just start with you providing a really brief kind of overview of what you mean by a culture of love in the workplace. Why, what is it and why is it so important? When we When we talk about love in the workplace, we're talking about an environment that is supportive of you as an individual and your own personal growth. And the idea is it isn't personal growth from the standpoint of becoming more proficient at your job, a better employee in order to make the organization more money that the environment we're creating is one that is supportive of you developing your own passions and developing a life that you love. And we fully understand when we promote that, that that means that there will be people that will leave us and go pursue their passions. And it's happened already a number of times. And when they do, we give them a high five. We wish them luck. We offer them any support we can provide them. And all we ask is, is they stay in touch with us and let us know how they're doing. And so, uh, the end result of that, we believe, is that when someone does determine through a whole bunch of different avenues and work that we promote inside of our organization, that our company, Big D Coffee, is the avenue, is the tool that they want to use to pursue a life that they love, that that is going to be an incredibly powerful human being within our organization. And so that, that's the concept that we're, we're creating. And, you know, love is, um, you know, I would almost like to have a, a different and more powerful word. <laughs> Love's a great word, but it has so many different connotations and di different meanings in different settings and different relationships. The kind of love I'm talking about is the kind of love that, you know, a dad has for a child uh, or, or um, you know, maybe, maybe uh, it's just, it's supportive. And, you know, my dad was not necessarily the easiest person for me to um, get along with when I was younger. But what he was doing is he was creating an environment for me 
to learn and grow within so that I would be able to go out and pursue my own life and pursue a life that I love independent of him and the security of, of my family. So, you know, that's the kind of love we're talking about is this, this, uh, uh, a really, a really supportive, strong environment that gives you incredible feedback and has systems in place to provide you that feedback in order for you to grow and learn and become a more powerful person. I, I love that. I, I, I think that is such a great vision uh, for organizations to aspire to. Uh, it, it understandably, uh, well, perhaps not understandably, but you know, I, recognizing the reality, that's not really the, the norm in most organizations, right? Um, uh, you get bureaucratic organizations with top-down leadership and the leaders are you know, focused on a whole bunch of different things and they're just trying to keep the doors open. They're trying to get, you know, keep people getting their paychecks, you know, providing the products and services that the organization um, relies on to, to create revenue. And their, their focus often isn't on the people. It's, and it's not on creating those empowering types of environments and cultures and systems and processes to really leverage the capacity of people and help people, you know, be their true authentic selves and maximize their own potential. Um, that's just not how most organizations are set up. And, and it's, it's sad to me though, because it, it really could be that way. It could be that way if leaders recognized and saw and, and caught the vision of what could happen when they invest in their people in that way. I often, you know, talk to, to leaders I consult with or with my students at the university. I talk about the different forms of capital that, that organizations use and leverage to be competitive and successful. And you have financial capital, you have intellectual um, property and capital, you have plant equipment property, you know, you're an economist, you know, all the basic um, econ 101 uh, forms of assets that organizations have at its disposal. And one of the most important ones that they have is their human capital. And yet organizations will, while they're so willing to, to protect and invest in and maintain other forms of capital, a lot of times they treat their human capital as this dispensable resource that they can just kind of churn through and people, you know, come in and leave and it's a revolving door and they just want a warm body in the seat and they, they kind of view them as a cog in a machine as opposed to like a real life person with real life dreams and aspirations with, with all sorts of, of experience and insight and creativity, you know, that they bring to the table to help the organization be successful. And it's just such a missed opportunity um, that so many organizations fall in the trap of. Uh, and particularly in times like this, where we're in the middle of a pandemic and organizations are worried about their finances, <clears throat> excuse me, um, they're trying to figure out, you know, how to, to ride out the storm. One of the first things that usually gets cut in an economic downturn, recession, or, you know, this kind of a, a crisis is investment in your people, investment in training and development and paying a living wage and, you know, just all of these things. Um, so I love that that's your focus and that you're, you're helping leaders have that mindset, that mindset shift um, so they can see, you know, both the business case of it, why it's vital for a successful organization, but also 
the human case and why it's just the right thing to do. Well, so, so even beyond what we were talking about there, you know, just a, a real simple linear argument goes like this. The, you know, the leading uh, killer <laughs> in the United States is chronic disease. The number one factor in chronic disease is stress. The number one contributor to chronic disease is stress. The, the leading factor in stress is work, your workplace and finances, right? And so there's this, there's this progression of, of, you know, if we can change that, if work could be a place where you go to develop, to um, get support when you need it, think of that impact as well, right? So uh, you're, you're having a hard time with an issue in your family and think if you could lean on your colleagues at work to help you through that and, and be a resource to you and, you know, and, and take care, maybe take a little bit of your workload off because you have to deal with that issue and feel, imagine if you felt supported as opposed to in America, what happens is, is you're supposed to go to work and you're supposed to turn that off. And you're supposed to go in and be a highly functional employee, even though you might have a close family member, you know, let's say dying of cancer. But we all know you can't go to work with a close family member dying of cancer and be effective. But the workplace if it was supportive, imagine the impact that would have on not only that person, but that person's family and the impact of the, the person with cancer they're, they're trying to care for and so on and so forth, right? I mean, it's just the cascading effect is, is extraordinary. Well, and well, so one of the things, well I was just going to say, I mean, certainly it, the cascading effect for that individual and their family and the people connected with their family is absolutely true but also the cascading effect within the organization because other employees, <clears throat> they see that. They see how someone is supported or not supported during times of crisis, and they don't forget that. Um, so it can drive up uh, uh, employee loyalty and commitment. Uh, it can help other people within the workforce who, I mean, we're working, most of our lives are spent <laughs> at work and we want, we want connection with the people around us. And what an op, a human opportunity to connect with. And for me as an employee who sees a coworker who's struggling in that way, what an opportunity for me to have the chance to step forward and also be of assistance, but also recognize that they were supported in their time of need and the company will support me in my time of need. The cascading effects are tremendous. Uh, and often it doesn't take a whole lot on the no. part of the, the leader to provide that kind of an environment. Well, you know, so it happens anyway. You know, I mean, one of my best friends is a gentleman I worked with when I was 23 years old for nine months. And, and that relationship, we, I mean, we're, we're still uh, very, very close friends today. And so you know, this, these things happen in the workplace anyway, right? We, 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 we get these amazing connections, these amazing bonds. What we're talking about is just facilitating that happening and supporting it. One of the ways that we're doing that internally in our organization is we're setting up what we're calling forums. And so they are you know, seven to 10 people and you enter a forum and they're, they're all meant to be, it's not going to be people of your same experience and age and so on and so forth, but you can't be in a forum with, let's say, 
the person you directly report to or someone you know, that you oversee and so on. And, and these forums are going to be sponsored by us. It's going to be work time and hours spent inside of these forums. And they are meant to be essentially support groups for you, not just in your, in your work life, but in your, uh, in your whole life. And, and so uh, that's one thing. I think we have seven or eight of those going right now. And the impact has been dramatic. It's just been dramatic. And, and so we're just going to continue. I mean, that's one idea of, of a whole bunch that we're working on right now. Um, but, you know, that kind of thing, all of a sudden, these six, seven, eight people that you're in a forum with, they become, they just become your, 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 uh, your thickest thieves. You know, you, you, you do it together. You're doing it together. You're learning together. It's just, it's incredible. It's awesome. That is great. Uh, sometimes they're, well, not exactly what you're describing probably, but a lot of organizations will create like affinity groups, um, which are, you know, roughly connections of people around uh, different areas of interest. So kind of casual uh, interactions, opportunities for people to connect outside of their kind of day-to-day work life, um, but still within the organization. What you're talking about is even a level up from that. Um, where you're, you're really getting people together, not just to kind of share an interest, but to share in, in support, to share in lifting each other uh, through the, the struggles, you know, of life and of work and mentoring each other, coaching each other. You know, I, I think that's, that's brilliant and uh, a, really, a really neat thing to try to implement within organizations. What do you see as one of the biggest um, hurdles that you have to try to overcome as you go in and work with organizations and leaders to help them understand this concept and move in this direction? Well, I think you touched on it earlier. I mean, it's really that leaders of organizations, they view their people as, you know, your number one complaint that you get out of any business manager, if you ask them, and I should formalize this with some kind of a poll, but anytime you ask a business manager what their number one complaint is, the answer is people. And I just find that to be sad. And then you, and then you, you, you let them expand that. And it's, you know, finding good people today. There just isn't the same work ethic today. There just isn't, you know, and, and my statement is always, I promise you, there is nothing wrong with people today. What we have is, is we have a whole bunch of really, really poor managers out there and leaders. And uh, organizations that are well-led and well-managed have great people. And, and so, there, you know, there's a direct correlation there for me. And so getting people out of this mindset that, that, they're, that, that the population as a whole and the people that they have available to work for them somehow is is um, not proficient is I think probably one of the bigger challenges because if you can get to a mindset of people are pretty amazing, you just have to explore how amazing they are and you have to let them be amazing. All of a sudden that mind shift right there, that it is, it's an incredibly different way to approach your teams, your people and so on. So, and I, you know, I uh, struggle, uh, 
in the world when I hear people who talk that way. Uh, it is, it's, it's just so limiting. And, and uh, I wish I could flip a switch and get people to understand that uh, there is so much out there within your own people that you're complaining about. They have so much potential that you just simply aren't unlocking. That's exactly right. Uh, and it's, it, it really is about letting go of power which is really difficult for leaders who often, often they've had success by consolidating power, right? <laughs> so they have to learn to let go. They need to learn how to trust. Um, it's about growth mindset uh, rather than fixed mindset. And so if, if I truly see the potential in the people around me and I'm able to let go of even just a little bit of power and delegate and provide some autonomy and give them a chance to earn my trust, if I can just do some simple things like that, then I can start to be amazed by the capacity of my people. Um, and I can see their growth, I can see their development, and then I can be a part of that. I can be a part of that growth and development, which is probably the greatest reward as a leader is to see the people around you grow and, and become you know, far surpass you and, and, and grow beyond what you could have ever hoped for them. And you'd said it at the beginning, like sometimes that means they're gonna develop and, and grow out of the role they're in. And they're going to even leave the organization, but that's okay. We'll be happy for them. They'll move on. The, I mean, the greatest corporations and the greatest leaders have a long legacy and genealogy of leadership. So you can, you can see, you know, you can look at the top CEOs uh, across uh, the fortune 500 and you can map back to like where they got their start and who they were mentored under that, what a legacy that is. And that's, that's what we should be striving for. But it does require us to get out of our comfort zone a little bit, give back a little bit of power, uh, give people a chance to earn our trust, and, and then great things can happen. Yeah, just one quick story. Ten years ago or so, probably a little less than that, seven years ago, um, the gentleman who was running my technology he came to me and said that he wanted to go back to school and get his degree at the University of Michigan in electrical engineering. And he asked, could he work for me full time and do that at the same time? And I said, well, I mean, uh, you know, of course it's like, holy cow, you're talking about going to the, I mean, this is a pretty demanding program, the electrical engineering program at the University of Michigan. And he said, I can do it. I will do it. I can do it. And so we let him, we let him move uh, to Ann Arbor, which was an hour from our home office and work remotely. And, and he did, and he, he um, graduated. And when he graduated, graduated in like two and a half years too, by the way, the guy was a genius. Um, and so then he ended up moving to Berkeley, California, because he wanted to work uh, in a certain lab there. I, I don't remember what it was about. And he asked if he could keep, he wanted to volunteer at that lab. And he asked if he could keep working for us full time. And all the while he was doing this, we were creating a point of sale system for our stores. And he was writing that. So um, most people would tell you or me that to create your own point of sale system is a fool's errand and you should never attempt it. Well, he, uh, it took us a long time to write that. He was instrumental in getting that launched. Uh, and he ended up leaving us. He is now at NASA. Well, he's at um, JPL, which I always thought was a division of NASA, but it actually isn't a division of NASA. And he's working on um, swarming technology for submarines. Just and just if, like I could have if I most leaders would have said, no, you can't run my technology 
and get a degree at the University of Michigan at the same time. Most leaders would have said, no, you can't move to California and volunteer your time and work remotely from California and never be in our office. The fact that I was willing to work with him through all of that, I ended up in the end with an asset that I'm not sure others could have built, that he built. And this thing is worth millions of dollars to me now, today, right? It, it is a, it's an incredibly powerful asset in my organization. And he got to move on and pursue you know, his passions, his dreams, what he wanted to do. And it was just mutually beneficial. And what I don't understand is why leaders don't approach their own people like that. Every one of their people. It's, it's fear and insecurity, I think is what it is. Um, what a great story though, and, and a great illustration of, of what can come uh, of that kind of an approach. And it won't always work out that way, right? No, um, of course not. But that's okay. It doesn't need to work out that way um, because if if we're consistently investing in our people, uh, it, it has all sorts of ripple effects throughout the organization. And it, it's about becoming a learning organization and a growth organization. Um, and that doesn't happen unless you invest in your people in that way. And sometimes it will come back to the organization exactly as you described in your story. Other times it won't but you'll still have created that environment and that culture where people feel empowered and they feel um, passionate and they have the opportunity to innovate. So that's really what we need to be shooting for. Yeah. And to me, that's all that is, is, is love. You know, you can, you can define love a million different ways, but to me, that is love, right? I am supporting him. He is supporting me. We're taking care of each other. I'm providing him what he needs. He's providing me what I need. And, and you know, it's, it's not a uh, it's not a binary transaction where you show up to work and I pay you X number of dollars to do jobs A, B, and C. Uh, this is a this is a uh, a limitless opportunity in the relationship between the two of us. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, it is it has been a pleasure talking with you. We're about out of time, unfortunately. Um, I would love to continue this discussion. Perhaps we can in Anytime. A, a future point. Um, but before we leave today, I want to give you a chance to share with the listeners how they can get connected with you and learn more about you and your company. We have, a, we have something called the Life You Love Laboratory. It's called Life Lab. And there's a whole curriculum and a whole bunch of, of different um, tools that we're developing to help leaders and help people engage this way of thinking. It is brand new. I mean, it, I mean we're, it's not even a year old. But in order, if you want to learn more about that in particular just you can either you can call me uh on my on my cell at 517-388-1444 and i'll get you in touch with the right people based on your interest or you can email me mike at bigby b-i-g-g-b-y dot com wonderful well thank you so much mike it really truly was a pleasure uh having the chance to talk with you i hope my listeners will take the opportunity to reach out to learn more about what you do uh, and to think about this philosophy and how they can better um, support and strengthen and empower people within our organizations. Uh, thank My pleasure. You for, thank you for joining me and I hope everyone has a wonderful rest of their week. Thanks, Jonathan. Thanks for doing what you do.
Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week. Check out our new weekly LinkedIn newsletter, Alchemizing Human Capital, exploring industry trends via original research and interviews with executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We look forward to having you join us.